so it will be interesting to see kind of how this continues to evolve. But I think the good news here is, you know, podcasting is here to say uh, you don't have to worry that this whole medium is going away. We are very much here for the long haul. I didn't know. Were people worried about that? I don't know. If if they I, were, they aren't anymore. If any of you had that ex- very specific fear, unfounded fear, Travis has totally alleviated it. All the fears that we're struggling with right now, that should not be the top. Yeah, of that list. was not at the top of my Good fear list. <laughs> hey guys, welcome back to Buzzcast, quarantine edition number four, and our first ever live streamed episode. Kevin, Albin, welcome to... It, it's good to see you. It's good to see your faces, even virtually every once in a while. It's great to see you guys as well. Welcome to the live stream, dudes. So, Kevin, walk us through how you are taking our Squadcast recording and live streaming it to our Facebook group. Sure. So I've been doing, over the past couple of weeks, experimenting more and more with how we can connect with our community. And a lot of that's been happening in our Facebook group. We have been, uh, like, conferences are all on hold. Um, we don't do a ton of public events, but just... we. we everything's on hold. And so we still want to be able to connect with uh, the people who use Buzzsprout as much as possible. So we've been connecting with each other. We've been doing that through Zoom calls. We started doing open Zoom calls in our Facebook community, inviting anybody who happens to be in Facebook at the time to jump in a Zoom call with us and ask us anything. Um, Then last week, we live streamed one of those into our Facebook community. Today, we're recording Buzzcast. So I figured, heck, why not live stream that as well? Like The more opportunities that we can all connect with each other, the better, since we're all you know, for the most part, stuck in our homes right now. And it's fun to see faces. And so we're just playing around with it and, and having fun and learning this stuff. Cause we are, again, we know a little bit about podcasting. We don't know a ton about live streaming or how that all works. So the setup that we have today is I've downloaded Ecamm live that is pushing to a service that we subscribe to called restream and restream is pushing today. It's only pushing to our Facebook community group. The benefit of using Restream, you don't have to, but the benefit is that you can stream to multiple platforms at one time. So if we wanted to also go live into our YouTube community, we could do that as well. Um, But today we decided just to start off with just our Facebook community as an exclusive for that group. If it works well, maybe next week or next time we record, we'll go live across multiple platforms. Um, So without the need to go live in YouTube, I could really just use Ecamm Live to push straight into our group. But to test the technology and to make sure I understand how it all works. I'm using both. And for our recording of our podcast episode, we're all recording double enders. So I'm recording here locally on my computer. Travis is recording on his computer and Albin is recording on his computer. When we get done recording, we'll Albin and I will send our audio files to Travis. So he's got high quality originals to do his editing with. And, but we're also using Squadcast. Squadcast is a great platform because it gives us this video so we can see each other as we're talking. And it also records high quality uh, audio files. And then it when we end this call, it'll automatically send those files to Travis. So we've got some redundancy there, right? Like Squadcast should be capturing all that audio and Squadcast has its own backup files. And then we also have our own local backup files. So we have, should have three copies of this audio all in high quality just to make sure. Like when you're doing super important videos, <laughs> podcasts like speaking with Travis and Alvin these guys are hard to get on their calendar so when we get on their calendar we want to make sure we don't lose the interview right so we have three versions just to be safe again overkill for most scenarios but squadcast is an awesome product but like all technology it does glitch from time to time and so we all record local backups as well so that's the setup yeah and that's this what we're currently doing is super overkill 
for most podcasters. But if you are curious, that's how we do it. Now, with the uh, Restream and Ecamm, is it just pushing your computer audio? Is that the audio that it's using uh, or is it something else? Yes, it's pushing the system audio right now is the way that I have it set. So I could probably set it so that it's, I have a Rodecaster Pro sitting on my desk. I could probably set it so that it pushes that audio out on the, sh- on the live stream. But I was afraid that there might be some latency there that it might not line up with the video. It's kind of like when you're recording with a, a camera and you have an external mic. So let's say you're using like a DSLR to, to film some stuff and you have like a boom arm mic, right? If you run that boom arm mic straight into the camera, the camera will do a job of syncing up the audio and video. But if you capture the audio separately onto like a Zoom H6 or something like that, then you have to manually sync it. And if you don't, it's going to be off a little bit. And so that's why I'm running system audio. So every now and then you might hear, I should probably come through loud and clear most of the time. Travis and Albin might get a little bit of that robotic you know, bandwidth glitchiness on the audio once in a while because that's just pushing out whatever I hear. It's not pushing out their dedicated recordings that they're doing or the Squadcast high quality recordings that are happening in the background. Again, this is super, super technical. It's taken me a like I said, it's, we've been working on it for a couple of weeks and playing with it. Video is crazy difficult compared to podcasting. Podcasting seems so much easier. So don't, I would encourage you if you feel like you still have a lot to learn in podcasting, don't even think about video. This is crazy. And I and, and if you're in our Facebook community a lot or on our YouTube page, you might see or have noticed that we've gone live for a few seconds over the past couple of weeks unintentionally as I was trying to figure <laughs> out all this technology. I keep <laughs> I keep starting these live broadcasts and it's just me sitting at my desk and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm being live streamed on the internet. Turn it off quick. <laughs> so the first thing we wanted to talk about was actually just revisit something that we talked about in the last episode, which was the new magic mastering feature that we put a lot of work into to really make as easy and amazing as possible. And to this point, since we launched it, we have over a thousand hours, I think, of audio processed using magic mastering. Um, Hundreds of people are using it now for their podcast. And so we've been really encouraged by the adoption um, and the feedback that we're getting. I just want to read... Uh, a couple uh, posts that we've seen here in the Facebook group talking about it. The first one from uh, Carrie Ann Reed Brown, uh, who said, has anyone checked out the new Magic Mastering feature? If you haven't, you must try it out. I just uploaded an episode with very blatant volume discrepancies. I'm loud and the guest is low. I put it through Magic Mastering and voila, the leveling, leveling and loudness is fixed. I'm super excited about this new tool and lots of other comments and posts like that. So it's been cool to see uh, not only do you guys like it, but you really, really like it. And so, Kevin, I wanted to throw it to you as someone who is really integral in rolling this feature out. Like, what are some best practices for people as they're using it to really get the full potential of the feature? And then just some common uh, things that we're seeing that are kind of like some low-hanging fruit for people to really take full advantage of it. Yeah, so we haven't had too many issues where Magic Mastering has... Um, you done something uh, like to degrade the audio quality that the only one that pops to me, there's only one that pops to mind and I did investigate it. What happened with this particular file is there was two co-hosts on it and one's levels or for whatever reason, their audio was coming through much louder than the other, which is a very common thing. 
one of the things that magic mastering fixes with no problem at all. And, but they also had some like a music track, sort of like background music playing underneath the audio. And so you have a loudspeaker, a soft speaker and some music playing underneath. Okay. And what happened was I think when they were trying to figure out how loud should that music be, they were matching it to the volume of the lower, the lower speaker. So if I'm talking and I'm talking, you know, loud and Travis is talking quietly, if we put um, background music underneath that, we would need that background music to be pretty quiet or else when Travis spoke, the music would sound way too loud for Travis's voice. And so what happened was magic mastering looking into it. What it was doing is it was recognizing that background music as noise. It was saying, Oh, you must not want that there because it's so low compared to the, the powerful vocals. It's so low. It must not be background music. It must just be some noise that's come in. So what magic master did amazingly well was stripped out all that music. And so you had two speakers that sounded really nice next to each other. Like they were leveled out pretty nice, but all the background music was gone. Interesting. And so the person wrote in and they're like, what happened to my background music? Like it's gone. And I was like, I listened to the episode. I was like, I actually sounds pretty good. He's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. There was background music there. So he sent me the original file and I listened to it. And I was like, how did that happen? That's amazing. Like it wasn't a multi-track file or anything. Anyway, so I was able to tweak that episode and run it through the process again and get the music in there. But that's something to be aware of. So maybe a tip might be, hey, if you're if you're using Magic Mastering and you run into that issue, um, what the suggestion that I gave this person was if you want to put background music in there underneath vocals on top, match the music to the louder voice. It's going to sound overpowering for the softer voice. But remember, that softer voice is going to get boosted when it runs through Magic Mastering. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was my tip. I don't know if he's had another chance to do another episode since then. Again, we, we were able to get that resolved for him with that other file. But that's the, only, that's the only problem that we've had. And that was a very complicated file. The majority of we've run over, I think we're up to 1,100 hours of audio that's been run through Magic Mastering so far, which we're thrilled with just in the first two weeks. And one problem, like one problem file that I've had to look into out of all that time. So that's the update. We're going to, um, like most things uh, that are brand new to Buzzsprout, we usually start, uh, we push them out kind of slow, push them out first to our Facebook group. We talk about them on this podcast, but there's thousands and thousands of Buzzsprout customers that don't participate in our Facebook group or don't listen to this podcast. So they may have stumbled upon it because you do see it when you go to upload a new episode, but we haven't done a whole bunch of marketing material or pushing that message out to our customer base at large yet. So that's going to start at the end of, well, we're already at the end of this week. At the end of this week, I think we're going to shoot out an email tomorrow and we're going to start talking about it more and more, but it feels really good. It feels like a really solid feature and enhancement and accomplishing the mission that we set out to accomplish, which was make podcasting, like making the idea of creating a professional podcast, making that as easy as possible. And for me, just personally using it, I think the big thing is it's such a time saver um, like one person wrote in the Facebook group talking about how it's totally changed their workflow. This was Sean. And he talked about how uh, he was previously using Alphonic and his workflow was finish editing the episode in Hindenburg, export the WAV file, upload that WAV file to Alphonic, download the Alphonic process file, 
and then upload that file to Buzzsprout. And he was saying that process took between 20 and 30 minutes, which is about what I was experiencing when I was doing that work, uh, workflow. But now I literally just use the publish button from Hindenburg with Magic Mastering turned on. And it's like a, I, I hit three clicks and it, that whole 20, 30 minutes goes away. So it really is incredible as a time saver as well. Yeah, so this is something that I struggled with because I publish directly when I do an episode. I struggle. I push straight from Hindenburg using the publish feature as well. Travis, have you locked in on the settings that you use from Hindenburg? Because you can publish it as a as an MP3, as a wave, as all these different file formats, and you can have Hindenburg do some loudness normalization before it publishes, or you can just leave it alone. And so I'll, here's a little test. I'll tell you what I did. And then Travis being the audio engineer of the group, he'll tell me if I got it right or wrong. So what I did is I set it to export a wave file. I set it to mono just to save on bandwidth because I figured it didn't matter if I did mono or stereo. So I just chose mono to make the upload faster. And then I left um, where it said loudness normalization. I just said, don't worry, like do nothing because I know magic mastering does that. So why do it? twice. So I just basically just a wave in mono didn't change the sample rate, didn't change anything else. Um, and I think I had, I, I've done a couple episodes like that, but, um, the biggest one was like an hour long episode. It took about five or 10 minutes to upload from my home internet connection. And then about 10 minutes to process once it hit Buzzsprout and it sounded perfect. So how'd I do on my settings? You did great. You did great on your settings. So I think the thing to keep in mind is you you don't want to over process your audio file like it's easy to think if a little mastering is good then lots of mastering is better um that's hardly ever the case unless you're like auto tuning a an R&B album so yeah so i think what you did is absolutely perfect if you're not using magic mastering then you, and you're using a software like hindenburg that lets you set the loudness target you absolutely want to do that before you put it in buzzsprout but if you're using magic mastering that's going to do the loudness target for you so you want to keep your hindenburg export as clean as possible to minimize the opportunity for you know something to get over processed all right so you passed you passed kevin (laughs) so albin you were recently made more famous than the other two of us uh by chance of a (laughs) lucrative podcast guest spot on smart passive income were you not um yeah i don't know how that make me more famous than you kevin has also been on spi so we are now just if anything equally famous (laughs) um i think the first time i met pat was like i don't know one of the first podcast movements it was i think it was probably like five years ago and we did kevin and i actually built a recording studio and we auctioned off like, or not auctioned, like raffled off time to interview like all the top speakers at that podcast movement. And one was Pat. And I specifically remember uh, the girl who won the interview with Pat was like petrified. And she was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how nervous I am. And I had no idea who he was. I was like, this guy said he was like an architect or something like two weeks ago. And I, like I didn't know what was going on. So I remember kind of being like, oh, you don't have to be nervous. It's fine. You're just interviewing someone. And then five years later, I he was like, hey, do you want to be on my show? And I'm like, 
Oh, now I'm the one getting nervous. <laughs> I think Kevin p- pointed out, he was like, you know that uh, the amount of people that listen to SPI, that's more than like the uh, Jaguar stadium, like completely full of fans. Like you're being interviewed on the 50 yard line. And I was like, oh gosh, that's a, yeah. So you start imagining that, then you definitely get a little bit of butterflies. Well, and I know that we kind of worked a little bit together before that interview. Um, and I know for a lot of podcasters, you know, one of the marketing strategies we teach is to become a guest on other people's podcasts as a way of getting your show out there. And often you start hitting above your, your, uh, your weight class, so to speak. And, uh, (laughs) what are some things? Well, just say it like SPI is as great as Buzzcast is SPI has been around longer, more people listen to it. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's an awesome show. Big show. Um, so how did you prepare like, what was your process like to prepare to be a guest on a podcast like SPI? Yeah. So the, the way I think and I develop an idea is mostly by writing. And so for me, I need to be writing things out uh, during the research phase to really kind of hone a message or else I'm sure as people have heard on this podcast, I will just ramble and talk to you for an hour. And so... I think I just put, I, I mean, I've got my notes up here and it's somewhere close to like 2000 words. So I wrote quite a bit and it was me kind of trying to break up almost like smart, small paragraphs. Um, many of which never made it into the show just as a way of like formulating my thoughts. So it's all done in kind of an outline format, you know, so I've got a whole section. What are we seeing in podcasting in the time of coronavirus? And there's 700 words there. Why is now the time to start a podcast? I've got a whole section. What about marketing a podcast? Whole section. And there's things that I didn't know for sure we would talk about, but it was more, I kind of thought these are kind of the buckets we'll probably hit. And then just in a outline format, kind of built this outline and then was writing stuff for each of the kind of potential questions. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I know for me, whenever I've done guest podcasts, I always at least try and get a sense of the general topic, right? Yeah. I never like I never like to go in blinds um, because as a guest, I want to make sure that I can be the best guest that I possibly can. Um, and so I think that that's spot on with just like a really good approach is be as prepared as you can, but then don't feel like you have to stick to your talking points or your script that you've created. You, re- you still want to be conversational as well. Right. So for me, the idea creation is the same as writing. It is when I write, that is when I'm figuring things out. And then the actual interview, I could read these answers, but I don't because if you just read them, then you just come off as robotic. But by writing so much and thinking about it, you actually kind of have these almost like canned responses. You have things that are already queued up and you're like, oh, here's a piece of data that's interesting to answering the question you just asked. And you've got that piece of data right there. You don't have to read the whole thing. So wrote quite a bit. Um, I think most of it got used in the episode. So it felt good being prepared. The one last piece of advice I would give is any podcast you're being asked to be a guest on, try to listen to at least one or two of those episodes for that podcast. Because it's pretty common that podcasts have like segments that they always do or they have a particular tone. Um, And if it's a podcast about 
it's very well produced business podcast or it's just kind of a you know friends hanging around having a beer podcast like it there's totally different vibes you can get and especially if there's lots of podcasts that end with like the same three questions or they have one segment always you want to be kind of prepared for those so that you don't feel as much like an outsider to the podcast's audience if i think of um I listen to conversations with Tyler, which is Tyler Cohen and people, he does a segment every, the same segment every time. And it's obvious when people are confused by the segment and they're not someone who listens to the show or people who get excited by the segment because they listen to it. So listen to a few episodes. I think it's a like very kind and respectful thing you can do, especially if you can reference old episodes hosts always love it when you're like, Oh, back you know, you talked about this in this episode. They're like, yeah, we did. Let's plug that old episode. (laughs) So let's dig into the actual content that you were on SPI to share. Like they ask you on specifically because we see kind of the impacts more across the industry than just an independent podcaster would with their own show. So what was some of the data that you dug into and some of the things that you shared as far as the impacts on podcasting the last couple of months? Sure. So like everybody has seen, and we've talked about on here, um, number one is podcast downloads are down in March, but in April, we saw that number creep back up and we're just about, it depends on which category you're in and your specific listeners, but overall we're pretty close to back, um, as far as normal download numbers. And one thing I said on SPI was you can really summarize like all the changes we've seen in two words, which are just changing habits, that we are creatures of habit and all of our listening habits were totally disrupted when everybody started working from home or just when your the things you worry about changed and a lot of life just all of a sudden had this abrupt shift. And I think that um, it's allowed some podcasts to do pretty well and others have maybe taken a bit more of a hit. Um, so some of the, you know, the reason why we see just, we saw a drop in listens was the changing habit of commute time. People are not driving and their habit in the past was when I drive into work, I listen to these three shows and over time they shifted habits through March and April to listening at other times of the day. The second trend that we kind of, uh, focused on was when are people listening we found that people are listening to podcasts more at lunchtime than at any other time in the day. So it used to be you saw these peaks when people drove to work and when they came back from work, and now the peak is at lunchtime. The other thing we see is a lot more people listening on desktop than mobile. And it's only a shift of a few percentage points, but I think just I think it's actually that probably the change is bigger than we can see in the data because I know personally I'm listening on my phone while at my desk. And so that would still show up as a mobile play than a desktop play. But what it made me think is if you're a podcast that needs to get some reviews in iTunes, um, Apple Podcasts, excuse me, the best way to do that is when people are at their computer So go ahead and ask for it now, because it's much more likely somebody's at a computer. You're not going to get a review when someone's driving into work, hopefully, 
They're not reviewing you on Apple Podcasts, but now they're at their computer and it takes them 12 seconds to leave a review. You're much more likely, I think, to get a hit on that if you ask now than if you'd asked, you know, a month ago. Yeah. And it's very interesting to see not only how it impacts podcasting, but everything. One thing that we're going to talk about later in the show is what to do now that all the podcast equipment has disappeared off the face of the earth. Uh, so it will be interesting to see kind of how this continues to evolve. But I think the good news here is, you know, podcasting is here to say people are still listening to podcasts. And so uh, you don't have to worry that this whole medium is going away. We are very much here for the long haul. I didn't know. Were people worried about that? I don't know. If, if they were, they aren't anymore. <laughs> there you go. If any of you had that ex- very specific fear, unfounded fear, Travis has totally alleviated it. Um, All the fears that we're struggling with right now, that should not be the top. Yeah, of that was not at the top of my fear list. <laughs> Is there anything else uh, before we wrap up the segment album that you want to make sure that we hit on? Sure. Um, the one thing I would leave you with is you don't want to make decisions about the podcast based off of, you know, two or three change percentage points and changing listener behavior. Um, right now is the time to shift from thinking short term to thinking long term. There's lots of uncertainty. Um, people are out of work. Businesses are struggling. Um, and I, when I think out of that, I think, you know, really what we want to be doing now is thinking long term. And while you may not be able to grow your business or your brand in other ways, one thing you can do is consistent, great content and build an audience And then that audience will be very thankful that you put in a lot of work um, during this time. And then they will be there in the future. So now's not the time to be doing a hard sell and trying to make an extra $12. Um, It's the time to help people out and then um, benefit them in the long term. Yeah. And I know for me personally, I'm I'm getting kind of tired of the... uh, we know that we are living in uncertain times and we are here for you, rah rah commercials <laughs> that are everywhere now. Um, what I really want is for people just to make my life better. And so if you can be that for someone else, they that will stick out. They will remember that. And then like Alvin said, in the long run, that will pay huge dividends for whatever it is that you're creating. And if you want to hear the full interview of Albin just crushing it on the Smart Passive Income podcast. I will leave a link to that episode in the show notes so you can click over, check it out, and then leave a review saying that Buzzcast sent you. So Google, who makes lots of different software products, including Google Podcasts, just released their first podcast analytics feature, software, platform. I don't know. What would you, what would you call it, Kevin? Manager. Um, well, they call it, yeah, Google Podcasts Manager. Uh, it's very similar if you've used um, Spotify's, if you've logged in and claimed your podcast on Spotify. It's very similar to that. They don't give all the data that Spotify does. Spotify gives some demographic data and they differentiate between uh, plays and streams. I think, it's that l- the- I think it's listens and streams. Listens and streams. I can never remember the terminology they use. So they differentiate there. Google Podcast doesn't seem to be as sophisticated yet, the Google Podcast Manager, but it's awesome that it's something. I mean, Google has, um, up to this point, been doing their own thing their own way. And this is like kind of falling in line with what others have been doing, just kind of like unexpected of Google in a good way. Um, the claiming process is super simple. 
I loved it. I did a really short video showing how you can claim your show there. It also sounds like it has the side benefit of Google has never given us a way to submit shows directly to Google Podcasts before. Uh, we, you've had to put up a website that met some very technical specifications to set yourself up to be discovered by Google Podcasts. Seems like they've um, kind of piggybacked submission on top of this Google Podcast Manager feature. So if your podcast hasn't been picked up in Google Podcasts yet, you can still drop the feed in. They'll recognize it possibly as a show. We haven't tested this, but it's been reported by James Cridland of Pod News that he had a podcast that wasn't in Google Podcasts. It was brand new. He dropped the feed in. They recognized it as a new show and let him index it right there. So it's very cool. I don't. I'm not overly impressed with the data yet, but. I don't don't need to be because it's something that I didn't have before, right? Like it's it's how can you be picky? Like you got something you didn't have before, but you're saying it's not good enough. Well, it's better than nothing. It's better than what we had two days ago, and so I don't want to like naysay it. I mean, it's pretty cool. I have for anybody who's watching on the live stream, I'll show you. I've got the Buzzcast uh, podcast loaded up in Google Podcast Manager. So I'll show you that screen. It has uh, like number of plays across the top, number of minutes played. Again, not super exciting. The data seems to only go back to April 6th. So it seems like that's when they started collecting this pool of data that they were going to make accessible to people who access Google Podcast Manager. So it starts at April 6th, and then it goes forward. So we see some plays. It's showing 65 plays for Buzzcast from April 6th. One of the things I want to do is compare that to what Buzzsprout is reporting. So if I go over to Buzzcast, the we don't... Uh, we don't let you like lock in a date range when you're looking specifically for apps and devices. So the filters that we give for apps and devices are by episode. You can look at your last episode, last five, last 10 or all episodes. So I figured the closest thing to 30 days that we have is about the last five episodes. Five episodes for Buzzcast actually spans two and a half months, not just a month, but I don't have, you know, 30 days on here. But if I scroll down and look at Google Podcasts and where that shows up, we're, we're showing 152 plays on Google Podcasts over the past roughly two and a half months. They're showing 65 plays for the past 30 days. So, I mean, those numbers are, you know, they're in the same ballpark. It's interesting. I, I like seeing the little bumps when we release episodes. Um, you can see here, here's what you get from services like this that you don't get from your podcast host. And this is where the value is. When you log into Apple Podcast Connect, when you log into Spotify um, Podcaster Dashboard, now when you log into Google Podcast Manager, even if you you don't get a lot of plays on Stitcher, but Stitcher has a dashboard that you can log into as well. The most valuable thing is that you can see, they know that we don't, is how much of your episodes are being played. Because they're the app, they know more than we do. We just know if somebody downloaded the file or not they know how much of that file was actually played on the person's device. So that is, that's why we love this stuff. When Apple came out with their um, podcast analytics, when Spotify did theirs, now Google Podcasts has done theirs. These are the three biggest players in the podcasting space. And now for all three of them, you can log in and not just see how many downloads you're getting, but you can actually see how much of your episode is being listened to. Hugely valuable and it's great that they're providing data that podcast hosts can't. So we're doing the best job that we can of providing all the helpful data that we can, like total number of downloads and where in the world people are listening from and the types of apps that they're using and stuff like that. But how much of your episode is being listened to is not a data point that we have access to until the apps provide APIs that we can actually pull that data that they provide it to us. 
which I don't think Apple's ever going to do. I don't know that Google was ever going to do that. Um, so it's really nice that if they don't want to share that data with with partners, which I understand why they wouldn't, because there's like it's that's a huge trust relationship. There's some liability there, right? And so they want to anonymize it. They want to control it. I totally get it, but make it available to the public. And now we have the third major podcast host or listening platform making that data available to podcasters. Huge win. Again, there's I have my critiques, but I'm not going to say any of them because I'm so excited that they're doing this. I think this is a fantastic tool for podcasters. Right. And this is just their, this is almost like a beta product. Like they just rolled it out. Of course, there's going to be bugs, but like you said, it's better than what we had before. Um, and even if you don't have a ton of Google Podcast plays, uh, which would not be uncommon, it still gives you an insight into how people are consuming your podcast on different platforms. So like you can see, is there a consensus in the consumption charts across these different apps? Or are my Spotify listeners not listening as long as my Apple Podcast listeners? And what does that tell me? And it just gives you more information that you can kind of pull inferences from and make educated assessments about what's working and what's not working in your show to make it better for your future episodes. That's really the power of these things. And so it's just one more data point to help you be more accurate with those assessments. So if you want to watch the full video, Kevin walks through how to get set up with Google Podcast Manager. Uh, I'll leave a link to the YouTube video in the show notes for this episode, and uh, you'll get all set up with that. And if you're not yet in Google Podcasts, then it seems like that would be the fastest way to get listed as well. So great bonus there. So if you have tried to purchase podcast equipment in the last several weeks, you may have run into a brick wall of no one having anything to sell you. Uh, this is not uncommon with Amazon, where a lot of the microphones that we recommend, a lot of even the boom arm that we recommend, the Rode PSA-1 is out of stock on Amazon, out of stock in B&H, at least at the time of recording this video. Uh, but there are some places that you can check if you're wanting to upgrade your equipment or you're wanting to purchase something and Amazon doesn't have it that not only will potentially be able to get you on a waiting list so you're notified when they get back in stock, but will also give you more information than Amazon does. So Kevin, why don't you kind of uh, share the places that we go to to try and find things when they're not ava- they're not easily available? Yeah, and I would go even beyond uh, just your general recommendation of if it's not available on Amazon, um, for better or worse, there are a lot of small smaller shops that we want to support. We buy a lot of stuff from Amazon. I'm not saying don't buy from Amazon. It's super convenient. But there are some great sites that serve uh, the, the the podcasting space and just the audio space in general or creator space in general. And uh, they don't have all the resources and, and stuff that Amazon does. So whenever we have an opportunity to support them, some of them are like uh, B&H Photo and Video. Again, they're not tiny. It's not like we're supporting a mom and pop shop. They're huge. But it's just an alternative to Amazon. Uh, they have great customer service. They still ship very quickly. It's still free shipping. They have almost all the same gear. Um, and one of the benefits that they have is that usually if something's out of stock on Amazon, sometimes they'll say like more on the way or something or expecting more. B&H is really good about doing that. So if something is back ordered, they have a little place where you can drop in your email address and say, notify me when it's back in stock. Um, you can also reach out to their customer service line and they will look into when they're expecting their next shipment and give you like an exact date. Uh, so I love B and H. I love, um, Sweetwater is really good. Um, you can do, uh, online chats with Sweetwater and Crutchfield. Crutchfield is amazing at this. You can do online chats with Crutchfield and Sweetwater, and you can ask them specific questions about the problem that you're trying to solve or 
Um, do you like this mic with this audio interface or does it matter? Or is there a better, do you have an alternative that maybe is a little bit less expensive that would give me the same quality? And they will totally show you everything else that they have. Like they're all, it's kind of like going to, it's replicating that music store experience. Like you're walking into a music store and that's their competitive advantage over Amazon. So Amazon is like easy to find anything and everything, right? Like you can check out with a bag of potting soil and a new microphone. You're not going to do that at Crutchfield, but at Crutchfield, the advantage there is that you can talk with people who really know that gear inside and out. And so check out some of those sites, check out B&H, check out Crutchfield, check out Sweetwater. There's another company called um, BSW. The web address is bswusa.com. They are uh, big supporters of the podcast community. They're at all the podcasting conferences. They always set up booths and bring a bunch of gear to show people. So they love podcasters. They have a phone number listed on their site. So you can call and talk to them about gear. And I'm not saying that they're going to have the gear. If Amazon doesn't have it, I'm not saying these places will, but they might. And if they, um, if they don't, I think you could chat with them and ask them for alternatives and they might be able to point you to something similar that they do have in stock. Well, and the other thing that, uh, is great about those sites is that the prices are more stable than on Amazon. Because often what happens with Amazon is let's say that they typically ship Rode PSA1 boom arms from their warehouse for the MSRP of 99 bucks. If they run out and it's only resellers, you'll see the price go up. It won't be $99 anymore. Now it's $119, $125, $135 to buy that same boom arm on Amazon. But because you're buying it from some reseller, they can charge whatever they want. Uh, I think we're seeing this with the webcam industry right now. If you buy a webcam on Amazon, they're just exorbitantly expensive. And so going to these other websites, you're not going to run into that issue. It's going to be the normal price. And so you can be confident that that's the best price for the gear that you're trying to get. So all that to say, right now might not be the best time to upgrade your podcasting gear. But if you want to, and you can find what you want or uh, or, or something similar those are some great sites to check out and again great sites for for advice um i did notice some of the stuff is starting to come back in stock like the uh the new atr 2100x from audio technica was backordered for a long time that's back in stock on amazon and bnh the q2us are still backordered so if you want to get that 60 dollar mic which is now our number one mic recommendation for entry-level podcasting that's still back ordered. Um, BNH has said it's going to be a couple of weeks. Um, Samsung, the company that makes that mic, is actually active on Twitter also. So you can tweet them and they will let you know how they're doing at fulfillment. Focusrite 2i2s, the audio interface that we recommend for two or more recording or two people recording in the same location on the same computer. That's back in stock, the third gen. That was one of those price gouging situations that happened. So the latest version of that audio interface got back ordered and out of stock, but some people dug into their inventory and found second gens, old second gens and started charging more for those old ones than the new ones were going for. So that's what Travis is talking about is those games happen a lot in the Amazon marketplace, but you're not going to see sites like Sweetwater and B&H and Crutchfield. They will not play those games. Well, that does it for our first ever live streamed episode of Buzzcast. It was cool seeing the interaction in the Facebook group, reading the comments, um, if you want to see the full recording and you're just listening to the audio only uh, edited portion on our podcast feed, jump into our Facebook group, go check it out, go check out the other resources we have in there. Uh, it's just a fantastic community of podcasters. And then also, if you haven't yet, make sure to jump over to Podchaser and leave us a glowing five-star review 
for this podcast because we already know that you love it. So you might as well just tell the world that you love it as well. <laughs> but that does it for this week and we'll catch you in the next one.